to the Lonely Writers Podcast, where we discuss the very real and often overlooked emotional labor that comes with the writing process before, during, and even after the book deal. I'm your host, Eden Boudreaux, and today I'm chatting with a serial entrepreneur, a Harvard-trained attorney, engineer, and occasional stand-up comedian, but more importantly, best-selling author Jane Allen, whose latest novel, Black Girls Must Be Magic, the highly anticipated second installment in the Black Girls Must Die Exhausted series, has kept me personally awake long past my bedtime for the last few nights because I genuinely cannot put it down. So thank you so much, Jane, for coming on and chatting with me today. Thank you so much for having me. That's such a nice intro. (laughs) Oh, no worries. I'm so excited. I mean, like you've got, you've got quite the resume, but I, I love, (laughs) I love when I do my research and as a quick aside, when you learn about the authors and, and, you know, it gives us their, their CV basically. But then when you have that fun thing that stands out, like stand-up comedian occasionally, that's, (laughs) that's such an awesome, like little twist there. I love it. So I'm excited to see if we get any laughs in today. (laughs) Well, let's see. Right. So I, I had heard about Black Girls Must Die Exhausted probably shortly after it came out. I think everybody heard about it, but I did only recently pick it up and read it. And then, of course, I picked up, I got Black Girls Must Be Magic Mm -hmm. uh, that just recently came out and read it. And I, as a reader, am enamored by so many different things. I'm enamored by the way that you give depth and dimension to your characters, um, the fullness that you let them kind of like live in their life. And like, just, I think so often we read and it feels like it's almost like a screenplay um, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of flat. And I, I loved how much just, I felt like I was there as I'm reading. I feel like I'm there with Tabitha and with Mark and with all her friends and in these situations. And so you have, you have such a beautiful uh, ability to craft scene and to, to draw your reader into it. So I loved that. I also loved the, the friendships and the connections and, and the things that Tabitha, the challenges that she had to work with. But as a white woman, I'm relating to all of those things on a general kind of universal level. Mm-hmm. The Black Girls Must Die Exhausted series, it, it is so powerful for so many more people on so many different levels and, and so much deeper levels than me just enjoying a beautifully written book. So what I would love is tell our listeners for yourself, for many other women of color who wanted to see themselves in the pages of a beautiful romance novel and, you know, and the, the fiction of not fiction, but the reality of dealing with many of the things that Tabitha deals with, what, you know, what was kind of the impetus for that? Where did that come from for you to say, I, I got to put this story on the page? (laughs) Well, uh, well, first of all, thank you for the um, incredible uh, description. I'm really honored. <laughs> You're <laughs> I, welcome. I, when I decided I wanted to write fiction, I 
really thought about, I really needed a strong why because it was such an intimidating format to write in for me. I've written nonfiction and, uh, and the idea of fiction, I just had so many beliefs built up in my mind about who could write fiction or who could write a novel. And I did not think I was one such person, let's put it like that. Uh, but I realized that story is so important to people and, uh, and it, story does something that nonfiction, you know, that can't do. And, uh, and I thought it was really important in these times for whatever reason to try to do something new and different through story and to maybe give something that yeah. people might be looking for in a nonfiction space, uh, it, within a fiction space to help us all understand the world that we live in and more importantly, the people who inhabit it with us and to just bring a sense of connection. So right. what I set out to write was a human story of contemporary womanhood told from the perspective of a black woman. So a woman who's also experiencing this layer of rape. And I thought that was right. an important thing to, to do because we don't see that perspective so often. We see contemporary womanhood usually from a white woman's perspective and that's uh, kind of centered as the normative perspective. And I thought, you know, wow, every story is gonna be a completely different story depending on who tells it. So if like, for example, you see like a Bridget Jones or, you know, and, and Bridget Jones, you know, story would not be that story if it, if Bridget Jones were black, but right. how cool would it be to see what that story would, how that would unfold, you know, from a black woman's perspective and what would be different and what would happen differently and what would be going on and what's the internal journey and what's most important to her, even while maybe pursuing some of the same objectives. So I just thought that would be such a cool challenge to kind of bring that as a layer, as layers of perspective, but still with the uh, overarching objective of just creating this generally relatable human story, but that mm -hmm. we can you know, see these, these things through. So I had to really, it's, it sounds maybe simple, but it was a lot more complicated <laughs> for me because part of what I was feeling as a black woman at the time was very unseen and unprotected and uncelebrated. And I really had to unpack for myself, what was the experience of blackness that society was creating for me as a woman, you know, as a, as a contemporary woman, as a black woman, as a single woman, all of these things um, to try to unpack it as layers of experience uh, so that I could get so I could center in and dial into the human story, but also add in the perspective. The perspective comes from you know, the various layers of experience. So it was very challenging. I had to really ask myself questions I never thought about, about like, what is, what is it like to be, I don't think about it. I don't wake up, you know, we spend for a society that spends so much time focused on race. I don't wake up like, oh, I'm black, you know, today. Like, what is that? Right. You know, so I had to really do some work. To think about where does that intersect with my day-to-day -day life because that's not what i'm thinking about i'm thinking about how you know i'm thinking about what do i want to achieve for the day what you know what what made me happy what made me unhappy you know what where am i when am i going to see my friends or my family or yeah you know, those kinds of things so i had to really start to pay attention and do some deep exploration and uh and so that was incredibly interesting for me and then also i think 
sort of the cumulative work of really paying close attention to people. I'm, I'm a, I love, I'm a lover of humanity. I just love people. I love, I have a deep curiosity about the what and the why and, and the, the different experiences that cause people to be the, the way that, that they are, you know, when we encounter them, I really yeah. want to know that. And so that sort of encompassed in there, my, one of my favorite parts of the process was the character development part. So, so that's kind of where the story came from. It was just the, the things that I've seen in life, the little hidden areas that I thought should have a bigger platform, certain conversations I think need to be normalized and stories that are kind of untold perspectives that are, that are un, underexplored. And so that was what really was compelling and interesting to me to make me want to write this story. Yeah, that's, you make so many wonderful points there. And it's, it's funny because I have to remind myself sometimes because I've, I've, I mean, I, you talk about waking up and not thinking about being black and it's like that really stupid phrase of like, I don't see color, but like, same thing. I've never woken up and thought like, oh, I'm white today. What am I going to do? But Mm -hmm. I've had to, I've had to start thinking about that in the last while because you know that realizing things that I was contributing to toxic culture unintentionally Mm -hmm. and you know so even though when I was younger I never specifically sought out white authors genuinely it was probably the only thing I read because that was what was available for me or what was put in front of me and so Mm -hmm. over the last while I've had, I've really, you know, made an effort to start picking up books that resonate with me because they resonate with me, regardless of who, you know, maybe I don't see myself in the cover art or, you know, the story isn't, you know, uh, my story culturally or something like that. But I then also like have to remind myself and, and I really, I push any white especially white women who are listening mm-hmm. to this to push themselves because I read it. Like I'm reading when I'm reading these books, I'm just thinking like, Oh, they're so good. And like the story's so good. And Tabitha and like all of this. And I have to like, I do genuinely have to take a step back and think like 10 years ago, this book wouldn't be made mm-hmm. and not because the writing is not fantastic or not because the characters aren't there, but simply because you're a black author or simply because the uh, protagonist is black mm-hmm. and it, it takes on like, it, it, it sounds silly, but like, I almost feel like more precious about it. Like, yeah. I feel like this is so, and that's so like, I don't know. I think that I'm being silly about it, but it just, it feels so fucking special that these books get to exist now. Yeah. And I, like you said, I, I, I love that they do. And I love that you know, you wrote your first one. And even if we think it's going to be a trilogy, there's never a guarantee you're getting a second book deal. So I love that the second one has come and, you know, the next ones are going to come because (laughs) I, you know, it's like anything. I think the more that there are black and brown and uh, disabled and queer voices in the cultural mainstream, then Mm. it stops being that like, exceptional of me being like precious about it because like 
every other book will be written by someone who is a person of color. And it won't be such like a, you know, for, for a white woman to feel connected to this story, it won't be such like an, oh my gosh, moment for us. And, and I feel like that is part of what will help people start connecting and, you know, and, and without having to like, whitewash your culture or your story to make it palpable for us like there's nothing in these books one thing I love about it is there's nothing that's like you know I I don't know if you struggled with this when you came to your publishers and stuff but I've I've spoken with other authors who have said you know uh oh this wonderful author her name is Sonia Singh and she was saying that her her publisher had initially said no like could we like tone down like the Indian culture, like a little bit, like maybe just like make it a little more kind of just like the generic woman's experience. Oh, and right. And, oh. and I, it's not necessary. It's a disservice, I think, to yes. everyone. And people operate on the basis of what they believe. And I, and the experiences I had early on, I don't, the book was originally, I did self publish it at first because right. the agents that I approached they said, oh, this is the character's not relatable or, you know, we don't love her. It it was just, you know, these things that to me were projections on behalf of their assumptions of who the audience was and on behalf of who they thought the white audience was and what Mm -hmm. they could tolerate or what they would buy. And I thought that is crap. You know, I don't believe that, you know, and I, and and even the people thinking that wouldn't, characterize themselves as racist and I don't necessarily think they are what I think it is is a societal construct that heavily conditions people to harbor bias unconsciously and it's not a bad word you know and I I, it's 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 not it doesn't make you a bad person but I think to to acknowledge I have, there's biases. We all do. We all have them, but race has been such a thing that was a societally constructed thing. We all have been operating under its, its constructs and, and um, characterizations and misperceptions and stories and illusions for so long. And what that creates is an internalized bias system that we use to make assumptions and judgments and basically, um, intellectual psychological shortcuts our brain is being efficient like oh i see a a brown person on the cover it's a black story i as a white person uh it's for some reason it's not going to be about me or it's not going to relate to me because i've been conditioned by society to believe that's true and then but not challenging those things and i think we're in a era where we're realizing no this is this is exactly what needs to be challenged and so with with Black Girl, the Black Girl series, I definitely hope for it, envision that it would be something that could challenge that, especially for non-Black readers. I did not change anything culturally uh, to explain, to water down, to make more palatable, because I didn't think it was necessary. There's Google, no. you know, yeah. or, or find, a, find a Black person and ask them, what does this mean? And then start yeah. a conversation and make a new friend you know that's yeah that's how I viewed it if you know if you're if this is not out this is outside of your culture even if, as a, a black person because every black person doesn't share the exact same cultural references but if exactly. you don't understand it 
then that's an opportunity. And I think it's important to even have things that you don't understand or even references that maybe aren't cultural references, but might be something about business or something about the world as I've known it to be that expands your horizons and your experience and causes you to grow and to actually learn something. That's kind of what I task myself toward is like, I'm going to bring the, the unique perspective from my experiences of things that I've seen in the world, learned about people, you know, had learned is happening or, or have seen and bring this into a, a fictional work that is going to actually give you something outside of the pages for your own life. That's always my kind of goal, secondarily, mm. other than just giving you a really good story. <laughs> <laughs> well, that seems to come extremely natural to you. So I think the the focusing on the other part is is great. And and it's so funny you say that you make a really great point. And I want to ask you about that because I, I've spoken with writers before. So my first book that's coming out is going to be a memoir. So it's nonfiction. And so I've spoken with writers about when writing nonfiction or fiction, like you said, because fiction can, it can come so deeply from our own life experiences. Mm -hmm. But I always say, you have to have a unique lens mm -hmm. because there is a lot of universal experiences, i.e., let's say the universal experience of a black woman. But what is your unique lens on that experience? You know, and and you talked a lot, uh, you know, about Tabitha with mm -hmm. her infertility and things like that. And that I mean, in really any woman, we don't talk about that enough. And, no. you know, and from what I've read, especially in black women, because there is so much, uh, so many issues with healthcare with black mm -hmm. women and things like that and not being taken it's seriously. Scary. And yeah, exactly. So how did you find, you know, how did you kind of narrow in on your unique lens? How did you kind of find that sweet spot of, of taking from your own life and then also, having this really fully formed character that's her own person as well you know did that take mm -hmm. time did you were you already kind of into the the manuscript the the meat of it before you found that lens or was that something that came before it was it really really was the work in advance so i uh, knew that I wanted to talk about reproductive health and fertility that was a you know particular challenge because that was something that I dealt with in my thirties. You know, I had fibroids I had to deal with. I had um, fertility preservation that I had to be concerned about. And by the time I started thinking about it, it was not too late, but it was later than the optimal time to think about it. But there was no conversation about it. There, it, it's really this journey of, or a kind of a war of time and information and I basically had neither at the time that I started, you know, <laughs> focusing on this. So I really yeah. wanted to bring that into a story because when I was looking for resources, there was almost nothing in fiction, uh, virtually nothing about this, which if you, if anybody's ever been through a fertility or infertility journey in that space, it's its own world. There's warriors in that world. There's tragedy. There's there's joy, there's triumph, there's, it is a whole you know, hero's journey unto itself, just in that space. And so I thought, wow, this is a great story to tell that hasn't been told yet. 
you know, or this version of it and uh, or from from this place and in this this kind of world. So that was that was a thought that I wanted to kind of help change things for other people, you know, different from what I experienced. So there would be some fiction out there that was talking about this and normalizing this and, uh, and normalizing these journeys. And then with Tabitha, really taking the time to really flesh her out as a person and think through, well, you know, what is her age? And if this happens at this particular age, what does that mean for her journey relative to it? a different age. And so I was very deliberate about a lot of the choices that I uh, made to construct her as a character. And then that informed the journey that she would be on. So, so that's kind of how I, I started first with the characters, you know, the, the things that I wanted to be part of the story and the world of that story. And then I went to the characters and built the characters out and then kind of built the, the story out from, from there. Beautiful. I love that. Hey there, Lonely Writer. If you are enjoying this episode, please head over to our Ko-fi page using the link in the show notes to make a one-time donation or sign up to become a monthly supporter. The Lonely Writer is booked, produced, edited, and hosted by a team of one, which makes it a genuine passion project. Your support means more freedom to continue producing new and exciting episodes for your listening every week. Thank you. Now, let's return to the show. Okay, so let's take it back then. Mm-hmm. Let's get into like your your or your origin story. We know Tabitha's origin <laughs> story now. <laughs> so, I mean, we've got we've got entrepreneur we've got harvard trained attorney like you have lived a million lives my dear (laughs) where did where did you stop like in a in a courtroom and just be like i want to be a writer like when did you know when did that come to you that you were just like i need to get in front of a a computer and write books well it really it was something that was always with me I had this desire to do it and I did try to do it and I've written nonfiction books sort of like prescriptive nonfiction uh and I just kept trying different things and the great thing about it was actually having my career as a you know professional non-creative professional was something that took away a lot of the pressure of writing and being able to evolve and develop as a as a career I never thought oh gosh I need to make a living as a writer you know I was always just like oh I really love this <laughs> I, yeah, I think I want to I want to see what I can do and it just always was this space to play it was always kind of my my playground my play space oh I have this idea let me see if I can explore it let me see what so I didn't have that pressure and I think that made it a lot uh, easier to take risks and also to um, to give myself time and space to evolve naturally. And it took me a long time to realize, oh, I can write fiction because that was like the big hurdle. You know, I, I the first I realized I could write a book length work of anything. <laughs> yes. And then to, to think I didn't start with short stories or anything. I went straight to a novel, you know, but I had to learn, oh, you know, there's a structure to writing a novel you know there's a there's a form to it there's a pacing there's a um there's beats you know there's a story b story you know c story there's there's ways to create craft this and construct this and so it's not just like some 
you know, check mark, yes, I did it, or no, I did not. It's like, oh, there's, you know, different elements that you, when combined, eventually equal a novel. And so yeah. learning to unpack the mystery of it all was really what, um, what made me know, okay, yes, I can do this. Oh, that's wonderful. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, being, you make a huge point because I think that that financial hurdle of mm. being a full-time writer, it really holds so many people back because oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard, you know, to dive into that kind of, you know, almost self-employed place. And um, so where you kind of stepped into this, like you said, in almost kind of a, a nice free way that you could explore it and you could kind of warm your toes in it and, mm -hmm. and, and do it at a pace that was comfortable. Was there anyone in your life that was like, why are we becoming a, you know, like that was kind of, it doesn't sound like you had people who were against it, but who maybe were like, this feels like a shift. <laughs> what are we doing here? Was there anybody in your life that was kind of like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Um, because by that time I had worn so many different hats, you know, I think people had gotten mm. used to the fact that I was going to try something new, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, I, you know, whatever, if it was stand up, if it was uh, changing jobs, changing roles, changing careers, I had done all of that. And so when it came to the point of, and I said, okay, I'm going to you know, do this novel. I, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to, you know, move to <laughs> the mountains and just write. I didn't, yeah. even, that wasn't even an option for me. It was just like, you know, I'm going to take some extra time in the morning or in the evening and I'm going to apply myself to this project and get to an end point until I'm at, at an end point with it. And I think the weirdest thing was, you know, I'd say, oh, yeah, sometimes I wake up at three o'clock in the morning and write, you know, and then I'll go back to sleep till it's time to go to work. And people are like, that's crazy. You know, like, what do you mean you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and then you go back to bed at, at six and wake up again at, at you know, seven thirty or eight? And I'm like, yeah, you know, and and that that was the weird like the way I had to do it and get it done was the, was the stranger thing, I think, for people than the fact that I was going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. A creating does not have a curfew. Unfortunately, it right. just, I, I swear it just, uh, it just decides to come when it decides to come and you can't, mm -hmm. you can't turn it away. You can't say no. You say, okay, fine. We're sitting down. Well, that's <laughs> wonderful. I love that you had that supportive, you know, community around you and network around, around you, because, you know, I know there are a lot of people who have to, you know, either, really create boundaries to say, this is what I'm going to do. And you're going to support me either way, or, mm -hmm. you know, or kind of go it on their own. So then, you know, if you, the, the many hats are, are you thinking that you want to stay in novels for a while now, or are there other things that you're interested in? You know, are, are you interested in writing screenplays or like, what is coming next? Like, that's what I'm excited about. Hopefully our our third installment, but yes. you know, what, what else are you thinking? Because I feel like you're just, you're just such an, an incredibly talented writer and 
having a space where you're supported and, and, you know, from interviews I've heard with you, it sounds like you have an incredibly supportive team with your publisher as well. Mm. Um, I just don't want to see you stop, like keep making magic, please. (laughs) No, I I think there'd be like a, a a bunch of people at my door, including my family, like, no, you have to keep writing. Um, (laughs) But I, no, I definitely intend to keep writing. And one of the things that's been a challenge, I think, for this third book is now, okay, this isn't just fun and games, you know, this is, I have to professionalize how I write. And I think that was a transition that I've now kind of gone through, it was just learning a completely different process, and, and really making adjustments around sustain sustainability, because I think before, I was really like, oh, I'll just cram this in, you know, I'll just cut everything off. I won't yeah. go out, I won't do anything, or I'll, you know, get up at three o'clock in the morning or whatever. And it's like, okay, no, I can't sustain that. I need to make this a sustainable process and something that has enough balance, that it's enjoyable, that the pacing, you know, it makes it enjoyable. And that at the end of the day, it's not about the, the outcome or the endpoint or finishing. It's about me and me and being whole and complete and happy and my cup full and I can bring that into my art so if it means that it takes a little bit longer to get a manuscript done it just takes a little bit longer but it ultimately winds up being so much better because I I now I'm like no I'm in this you know this is this is I'm a professional at this and uh, so that was my most recent transition but i I do plan to do all the things I've, <laughs> I've, I've developed a new, you know, that, that, that one step of kind of becoming a professional, which is going to be different for everybody. But that was really the sort of gateway to thinking about all of the other things that I want to do and feeling like feeling empowered that I can do them and can accomplish this. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that because if I don't see like an adaptation of this with like Issa Rae in the next like four or five years, I'm going to be sour. I'm just saying I'm going to be calling HBO or Netflix, but, but to circle back, you make, you make such an interesting and important point about how you structure being a professional author now, because I think on other, you know, shows and, and in articles and books and all that, we talk so much about the before the book mm-hmm. deal and how mm-hmm. to make that work that, you know, the after is just as difficult because, you know, like you said, you get yourself in the groove of kind of having these bits and bites of the day to be able to create. And that becomes your routine. And then I know for myself, when I have like eight hours to write, I will probably write for 30 minutes. Like it's it's so hard. And it's like, it's almost (laughs) harder when you have this, just this unlimited amount of like space and time to like sit down and write. So it really, it becomes a very, like, you have to make a really conscious you know, decision to say, okay, I'm going to structure my day. I'm going to have emails from nine until 11, and then I'm going to do maybe a writing sprint or whatever. So for you, what does that kind of look like? Just, you know, so some of our authors are in that kind of newbie stage where they're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what do I do with all this time? What does that look like for you? What does a writing day look like for you? Well, I have learned not to do the schedule, the eight hour writing day, because that's (laughs) Follow, like that's ridiculous it's not going to happen and I would like yeah. to say that to 
any uh, newbie writer, don't do that because it's, it's <laughs> not going to happen. And then you'll be upset that it didn't happen and you'll think that yes. you did something wrong. It's like, I scheduled this eight hour day and I only wanted, like you said, writing for you know, 30 <laughs> minutes. And it, 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 that's exactly what happens. So what I do is, um, you know, I, I started really learning my pacing. So I know, okay, you know, I can write for an hour and a half, max two hours, and I'm, I'm done. That's the max I'm scheduling for any particular sit down to write. And, you know, word count, I'm, I'm, if I get a thousand words that day and, you know, they're going to be good words and that's it. It's a thousand words a day, 1500 words a day, maybe 2000. If I have a day beyond that, it was a really good day, but don't, I don't have carry that expectation for myself. That's not realistic. So I know that now I know that's my pacing and I give myself things that are accomplishable, <laughs> you know, where I'm not just feeling like I'm failing all the time. Like I scheduled eight hours <laughs> and I failed to write all eight hours and I only had 500 words that day, you know? So I got to that point. So, you know, I, in the mornings I have a coffee, I do what I need to do. And I really will write either very early in the morning or later in the afternoon. And okay. that's just, that's what works for me. And I know my limits. I've, ha I've set my expectations now. I know what, where, what my pacing is. And so that has really freed me to spend time with friends. You know, go and, and do the, run my errands, do what I need to do and not have these unreasonable expectations. So it, it's, it's brought a, a new layer of enjoyment and, and kind of relief, like, okay, you know, it does not need to <laughs> in this way. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be torturous. So. Definitely. No, I agree. And that's something that we've, I've actually talked numerous times before on the podcast about, you know, finding, recovering the joy of writing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so true. And I, I love that you subscribe to kind of a time limit as opposed to in a word count, because I know for myself and, and other writers I've spoken with, I used to get so hung up on the words mm -hmm. and, you know, <laughs> and it's like, and then I started realizing that like, I could write a thousand good words, like you said, in an mm -hmm. hour, or sometimes I write 50 good right. words. Right. And, you know, but when you say like, okay, now I'm like clocked out now I've done. And, and it, you know, and it sounds like you also, you celebrate yourself. You're like, I did my hour. I did my two hours. I've did good work. I know I did. And now I get to go about enjoying the rest of my life. And I think that that's really important celebrating the work that you did, whether it's a little chunk or a big chunk, it's, it's all worth it in the end. Oh yeah. And, I, and also it, there's no like schedule for your, your book, you know, it's like we're, we are artists and, and our job is to take the world in, process it, and then give it back to people with our spin on whatever it is. So part of that formula and that equation is that you have to take the world in. You can't, you know, expect that, oh, I'm just going to like torture myself in front of my computer and somehow that makes me a writer it's like no you're an artist and you're you know you happen to your medium happens to be word wordsmithing you know and the the format that we have created choose to work within whatever it is if it's a novel or short story collection or essays or whatever it is but allowing yourself to be an artist does mean that you have to enjoy your you have to live life you have to develop a perspective <laughs> You have to be yeah, exactly. you get into some stuff. 
you know? And yeah, I so, mean, he'll get a latte and, and, and watch people like that yeah. for me is sometimes the best material I have for my writing is just watching. Like you said, I love the way you, you said that you are a lover of humanity. It's kind of that just like watching how humans interact with each other mm-hmm. and that really organic way that, you know, and it could be good. It could be your classic, like watching two people fall in love or that kind of thing. But like, I also love watching interactions, you know, with people who are, you can tell I'm like, oh, that person is definitely interacting with someone or a culture or a food or, or a tradition that they are not used to. Like, how is this going to play out? And, and it's always interesting to me because sometimes it's beautiful and sometimes it's kind of awkward, but interesting. And you can tell they're learning something. And obviously there's times that it's fraught, but all of that is the human experience and you have to be able to, like you said, put that, that perspective back into your story. So mm-hmm. we have to leave our little writing caves eventually. Oh, every day, hopefully every day, hopefully. have a little bit of life. Yes, exactly. Hopefully. So we are so excited for black girls, everything. I, I cannot wait for the next book and all that. But, you know, do you have anything that's coming up anytime soon that's exciting? Or are you just like head in writing on the next work? Well, I'm, I'm really focused on completing the manuscript for book three, which is going lovely, swimmingly now. Good. I, I had to definitely, like I said, go through between book two and book three, I had to go through serious professionalizing transition. <laughs> uh, but now that I'm there, I'm like, okay, this is... I. I could do this. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited about book three. I'm excited. We have a, I actually have a four book deal with HarperCollins. So I have another book, it's ah. a standalone book. I'm really excited about that. And um, I, yes, I'm, and I, we're having some television film conversations uh, around the black girl series. I, I would love to see it. Love, love, love to see it in a, another format and to have other artistic perspectives on it. People who write for different types of platforms and medium and, and expression. So I just love to see other people's interpretation of it. Um, so I'm excited about all of those things and, and just continuing to I have a notebook full of ideas for other stories. <laughs> That's <laughs> my, amazing. my phone memo uh, app is full. Oh yeah. Mine too. All the time. (laughs) (laughs) So then what would you say, you know, if you had to give a piece of advice to, because I can only imagine the amount of, you know, black and brown girls out there and, you know, just women of color who see your books and see what you've accomplished Mm -hmm. and they're excited They're, You know, I think, I think there's this, this, there's this feeling, there's this energy of it isn't impossible. Mm -hmm. I can accomplish this too. When they're seeing so many, you know, wonderful, talented authors of color and queer and disabled and all that, you know, accomplishing these things that, like I said, five, 10 years ago would have been impossible. Mm -hmm. So for those authors, those aspiring artists who are getting excited about their own journeys, like what would be kind of one piece of advice that you would give them? You know, not so much about craft, but just about kind of, you know, shielding themselves and, and you know, protecting themselves in that emotional space and the labor that we have to do to kind of get to the place where we can hold a book in our hand. Yeah. Well, I would say that if you're being your authentic, authentic self, 
regardless of what that is, you bring your most authentic self, you too are marginalized by the society we live in, regardless of you know how you might how it may society may characterize you. If you're being your most authentic self, your quirks, your uniqueness, whatever it is, you too are marginalized. So just being focused on presenting your authentic perspective and what you most have to want to say and, and have to say is going to be a um, anticipated ac action, an anticipated project. Like there will be people that are waiting for it because they haven't heard it before because they've been, they've been marginalized too in that way. And so uh, I would just say that there, there's so much value in your uniqueness and your unique perspective and just double down on that, double down on who you are, whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be what other people uh, say it has to be to be valid or valuable. I love that. I just I made a note because I was like, I am picking that quote up because I love that. <laughs> that is so beautiful. And it is it is so right. I, I love that so much. All right, Jane. Well, let's we're going to close out our chat today with um, a little segment I like to call our weekly fuck yes segment. Okay. <laughs> and because I do not think as authors, as freelance, independent, you know, people, or especially as women, we do not celebrate ourselves enough. <laughs> and so I want to give you the opportunity to think of something in the last week or so, whether it was expected or unexpected that just went really right. And it was that moment where you're like, fuck yes. Like that moment where you're like, <laughs> yes, finally this, you know, whatever it was worked out. And I want to give you the opportunity to celebrate that and share it with us. Oh my gosh. I mean, well, there've been a few different things, but I, I will say I, I had to do a synopsis for the third book and just seeing that kind of come together. I was like, yes, this is, this is going to be good. I'm so excited about this moment so to see that synopsis the i'm still crafting the manuscript but i know where it's going i'm just very clear there was that moment where it clicked in like this is what it's about this is where it's going and then to see it in a synopsis is just it was definitely a fuck yes moment <laughs> that's exciting that is so i am so happy for you Thank no you. one except another writer will understand what it's like to take an 80 90 000 word book and compress it into a thousand oh my gosh right right exactly oh my god that goodness. is that is so I agree that is a fuck yes moment I love it <laughs> <laughs> well thank you again Jane and I'd love for you to let our listeners know where they can find you online to you know stay up to date on everything that's coming and what you're working on and just you know kind of watch your you your magic at work <laughs> oh thank you I'm at Jane Allen Writes. It's J-A-Y-N-E-A-L-L-E-N. And then the word writes, and that's my Instagram handle. And then janeallen.com is my website. I have a newsletter. So you can sign up for my newsletter either uh, via my Instagram profile link, or you can go to my website. And those are my main two places. Uh, and I would I look forward to people connecting and staying in touch. That's awesome. And for anyone who wants to read the Black Girls series, you know, Black Girls Must Die Exhausted or your most recent Black Girls Must Be Magic, 
I urge you to go to your local independent bookstore. And if they don't have it on the shelves, call and email, because I can tell you these booksellers want to have it and they want to put those books in your hands. Um, thank you again, Jane. And I look forward to seeing everything that's coming from you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite show. Thank you again. And until next time, lonely writers, be well.